Hi, and welcome to the Automotive Tech Info Podcast, the program where technicians talk to technicians, offering diagnostic tips in 10 minutes or less. This podcast is brought to you by Automotive Tech Info to help you learn while you listen. I'm your host, Tony Mala, and we'll be presenting information for and by automotive technicians in a unique learning opportunity to grow your knowledge, insight, and understanding of the automotive technology you see in the shop every day, one nugget at a time. Hi, I'm talking today with Kevin McCartney, an industry trainer and well-known authority on everything fluid when it comes to automobiles. Kevin has been a fountain of information on several of the technician checkboards, and he has quite a bit to say. Modern engine and brake and transmission and pretty much every fluid we have in the vehicle is now as highly engineered as the vehicles themselves. And there's lots of stuff that Kevin says we need to take into consideration. So without further ado, Kevin, welcome to the show. Thank you, Tony. It's great to have you here. Again, as I have been mentioning, you and I were talking about fluids. And you have actually been quite vocal on one of the chat boards about the need for technicians to understand exactly how these things work, particularly brake fluid right now. And some of our old misconceptions can be doing more harm than good. But before we get into the meat of this thing, tell me a little bit about yourself. You're obviously a trainer and you've gotten quite the reputation for being an expert on fluids. How did you get into all this? Well, it kind of evolved by accident and a lot of things do. I worked in research and development in college, and that kind of led me into a lot of the electronics as a technician. I was a technician while I was going to college, winning some awards for Ford Motor Company and that kind of thing. Went back to school, and they challenged me to uh, take part in some of the research projects that we had there on campus. That got me into more and more of the chemistry and that kind of thing. So as that demand arose in the industry, I just kind of went with the flow. It jumped from electronics and emissions into cooling and coolant at first. As cooling technology changed, we suddenly had lots of problems that no one understood. I had done a lot of research in the area, so I kind of took over the load. And within 60 days, it became half my business Mm. and multiplied from there. As that waned, I shifted over into engine oils at first and realized that most of us don't really understand what viscosity is and kinematic viscosity versus dynamic viscosity. And during that time, there was a lot of trouble with flat tappet camshaft wear. So that created huge demands for training in the industry and a lot initially addressed that. One step at a time, there were moments like that that just kind of evolved. And so the training demands followed that. You're probably the most knowledgeable person I've ever seen on IATM when it comes to fluids. Yeah, that's what I'm known for. My history is a little different. In the late 70s, early 80s, as electronics were developing, I was the electrical guy, Mm -hmm. and I became the electronics guy and the lab scope guy and that kind of thing. And that evolved into, at some point, I became the emissions guy. Mm -hmm. Then I kind of fell into this lubricant. Actually, cooling is what happened first. I never had a topic take off like that before. I had no idea what the pinup demand was, really. I decided I better look at what other topics I was probably ignoring. Mm-hmm. And I figured I could probably make a good four-hour, three- or four-hour class if I combined engine oil, brake fluids, transmission fluids, steering fluids, greases, you know, every fluid and lubricant I could imagine. If I threw it all together, I could probably make a good, informative three- or four-hour class out of it. So I started researching that. 
And pretty quickly, I realized I was mistaken. I had overlooked way more than I realized this was going to be a four-hour class on nothing but engine oil. Mm -hmm. And it kind of took off from there. It never reached the huge overwhelming demand that the cooling and coolants did, but it actually has been a much longer term situation. Still, I think uh, probably 80% of the industry doesn't really understand fluids and lubricants at all. Let's start there. We've been talking particularly about brake fluids, and you were quite specific about a lot of technicians kind of being confused as to the difference between dot four and dot five. Yep. Tell us a little bit about the brake fluid issue and why you think technicians need to pay closer attention to what they're putting in the vehicle. Well, even the older and younger technicians have kind of grown up and evolved in the industry, assuming there was dot three and dot four, and the only thing we needed to be concerned about was boiling points. Dot five is a little different because it's a different base. It's a silicone-based fluid. It won't mix with the others. But other than that, it was just about boiling point. The reality today is it goes way beyond boiling points. I'll give you an example. If you or I step on a brake pedal in an emergency, it takes about 300 to 600 milliseconds, depending on the system, to reach significant application pressure at the brake pad, at the rotor or brake pad, however you want to think of that. Mm-hmm. That's a relatively long time, really. But there wasn't much we could do about that. That was just part of the system. Now with electrohydraulic braking and ABS systems, stability control systems, that kind of thing, they can cut that down to 120 milliseconds. But the brake fluid became the limiting factor. You need a thinner, lower viscosity fluid. And DOT4 brake fluid is the thickest of all the brake fluids. It's the slowest reacting. Hmm. So... Most of the car manufacturers have evolved into systems that require a much thinner brake fluid for the system to perform at its maximum. We'll return to our interview after this word from our sponsor. Automotive Tech Info provides professional technicians with a regular diet of repair information on BMW, Mercedes-Benz, Nissan, Toyota, Volvo, Volkswagen, Audi, Porsche, and more. It's free access to technical knowledge and insight from professional technicians for professional technicians. Simply register at www.automotivetechinfo.com to gain access to our database of technical wisdom that is easy to use and searchable by keyword, vehicle manufacturer, or publish date. It's a convenient technical resource to keep you ahead of what's coming into your shop every day. For more information, visit our website at automotivetechinfo.com. And now back to our interview. And this is true of both import and domestic type vehicles, right? Yeah. The first major manufacturer that started this was Volkswagen, but that was uh, 2002 or 2004. I forget which, but it's been almost 20 years now. Mm -hmm. So it has evolved. All the major manufacturers, or well, most, Fiat Chrysler and the Chrysler lines, the Dodge and Chrysler, the traditional American lines, they're still sticking with the old fluids for right now. But pretty much everyone else is evolving towards these ultra-low viscosity fluids. And it's not apparent, I guess, if you're not paying close attention, you say there's a dot four fluids that are often mistaken for the capabilities of a dot five. Yeah. What really has happened is DOT, Department of Transportation, is what we recognize here in the United States. But they don't have an approval process for these ultra-low viscosity fluids. So the Europeans do, and the international standard does, it's their equivalent of what we would call dot six or dot seven is ISO 4925, class six and class seven. They already had a class three and class four that emulated our dot three and dot four. So it's a natural progression. Hmm. 
the major difference again is boiling points and viscosity. Dot three and dot four are progressively higher boiling points, but also slightly higher viscosity. Dot five, which isn't recognized in Europe, they have an ISO 4925 class 5-1, which is similar to our dot 5.1. But dot five is silicone and not like any of the others. It's similar in viscosity, it's similar in boiling point, but the base stock is silicone. It can't be mixed with anything else. The others, dot three, dot four, and dot 5.1 are virtually the same as ISO 4925, class three, class four, and class five dash one. So class six and class seven is just a progression of that. There will eventually probably be a dot six and a dot seven But for right now, DOT, our Department of Transportation, hasn't looked at approving that. So our manufacturers, car manufacturers here, are kind of reluctant to label, you know, they can't label them dot six, dot seven. People don't understand what ISO 4925 is. So they refer to their fluids as dot four low viscosity or dot four super or dot four class six. Dot four class six is becoming common. But most technicians have no idea what that means. The only thing I recognize is dot four. They assume that when the OEM calls for a dot four whatever, that just means dot four. They use a typical dot four fluid, and by doing that, they're compromising the performance of the braking system. So is there a cutoff point where what we think of as the tr- traditional dot floor, the, the thick stuff, is okay to use, but beyond that, I mean, what's the cutoff? Is it the uh, presence of, say, an anti-lock brake system or traction control or ADAS, what is the driving factor? The only thing we can say with certainty is up to about 2000, we were safe using DOP4. Beyond that, we really have to look at the OEM specs. And if they require a certain material standard, and let me be clear on what I mean by material standard. This is not an MSDS report, mm-hmm. material safety data sheet. This is a material standard. And unfortunately, most of us aren't familiar with that. Chrysler material standards all start with MS, which literally stands for material standard. We're not used to looking for it, but there is an MS 6395 or something like that as a specific material standard for every Chrysler product for their engine oil. They have that for their brake fluids too. Ford always starts with a WSS. A typical Ford engine oil would be WSS M2C uh, 962A or something like that. And that's literally one of their standards. Mm -hmm. None of us, you know, our eyes start to close and we start to go to sleep when we start looking at all those numbers and specs. But that's literally the only way to properly identify if we're using the right fluid. All Ford brake fluids start with an M6, WSS M6C 65. A1 or A2 or A3. Kevin, you've given us a great deal to think about. And unfortunately, we're out of time for today. But I'll tell you what, I'd like to continue this conversation. Would you mind coming back? Absolutely. No problem at all. Excellent. We've been talking with Kevin McCartney, a automotive trainer, well-known in the industry and fluid expert on why you need to pay closer attention to that brake fluid that you're using. Kevin, I want to thank you for your time today. It's been great. Thank you, Tony. Join us for our next episode where we'll continue our conversation and dive more deeply into this topic. I'm Tony Mala, and thanks for listening.